Hello, everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. It is my joy to be with you like always. Today, we're going into a deep dive here in the gospel of grace. We're going to talk about the Trinity. We're going to talk about our relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. It's going to be a beautiful episode. I believe it's going to touch you deeply. And so before we get in, if you are new to the show, we have an episode every Monday streaming on charismapodcastnetwork.com. You could also go to Apple Podcasts. You can go to Spotify, Google Play, Audible, pretty much anywhere podcasts are listened to and tap in. You could also go to YouTube. I'm starting to release video content again. A few years back, it was tons of live footage and videos that I was doing through Facebook and releasing on YouTube, and I just started getting the videos back up again. And so if you are just listening to this on one of those outlets, you can tune into YouTube, and you can see a lot of our most recent interviews on there. And so you can go ahead and share on there. You can subscribe there. But um, today, I've got a guest on my show um, who I've read a lot of his work and I am still diving into his work. And so, um, you know, we've had many great theologians, pastors, prophetic people, amazing people on this show. And, you know, we touch on a lot of different subjects in the word of God and, um, you know, but everything is the gospel of grace. If you've been listening to um, this, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know, we're always talking about intimacy with God, the grace of God, no striving, no performance, experiencing the supernatural through that understanding of the gospel of grace, talking about our relationship with God, how he views us, who we are in Christ, how we walk that out, what righteousness truly looks like. And, you know, and so we love to deep dive into the scriptures. And my heart is Ephesians 514, awake, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. The Lord The Holy Spirit is awakening our hearts to the beauty of who Jesus is, who our Heavenly Father is, who we are in Him because of the finished work of Christ so that we can truly walk out who we are in the earth today for His glory. And so um, I am grateful to have C. Baxter Kruger on with me today. He has a PhD and he is a Trinitarian scholar. He's the director of Perichoresis Ministries. He is an international uh, ministry proclaiming the gospel of our triune God, and he is a lifelong student of psychology. He has a degree in political science, and his doctor of philosophy is from King's College in Aberdeen, Scotland. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Mike. I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. It was several years ago. I think it was 2014. I got my hands on your book right here, The Great Dance, The Christian Vision Revisited. And I've read it probably four or five times since, and I'm just starting it again. And so, mm-hmm. and I know you have many great works um, and some new um, books that you're releasing and content you're always releasing. And so we'll get into that as well. But man, just it's, it's your, your work has been a blessing to me. So thank you so much. That's amazing for that book. Um, my friend David Peck loves it, but uh, it was published, I think, originally in, in uh, the year 2000, if that tells you anything. <laughs> and it just kind of went out there and people liked it and we had good conversations, but nothing. But all of a sudden in the last five years, it's found its uh, niche mm-hmm. around the world and people are reading it. I get emails that people think I just finished it like last week. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's just, it's just, that's the heart of my journey. That book is, uh, in fact, when I got back from Scotland in, uh, early nineties, um, I started work. People asked me, was I going to publish my dissertation? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I said, yeah, but I'm not going to publish it as a dissertation. I'm just going to think it all out and, 
figure out how to communicate what I had learned, what I'd seen mm-hmm. and uh, the great dance. When I finished it, I thought, well, that's it. That's all I know. There you go. Let's time go move on and do something else. Yeah. And then all these other books and essays and articles and lecture series and stuff just started flowing out for the next <laughs> 20 years. You know, it's just quite amazing. It's a beautiful time right now. People all over the world are fascinated and, and moved profoundly by the vision of God as Father, Son, and Spirit. Mm. which just shows you that, that we haven't had that vision, which just tells us how far off the beam we've been in the West. And it's okay. Uh, the Holy Spirit's brought us right back around yes, to has. the early church. It's just breathtaking. It is breathtaking. The Holy Spirit is awakening our hearts to this beautiful reality. He got this book in my hands at the right time. And so I wanted to discuss this book because it was so revolutionary for me. And I believe that the listener today would really be blessed by this. I think it's going to set them on a journey to get their hands on more content surrounding this. And so I know you kind of start off the book and you talk about C.S. Lewis's story a little bit and you kind of mirror it with your own and how you kind of came across this journey and knowing the Lord in this way. And I'd love to start with that. Yeah, I I grew up in the Southern Presbyterian uh, tradition Mm -hmm. uh, in South Mississippi in a town of 1,000. And uh, several things happened to me as when I was growing up in that church that had been uh, formational. Uh, one was all around the same time, around when I was about 10 years old. But I was sitting in, in the church one Sunday morning ready for it to start. And we sat on the third pew from the right, if you're looking from the pulpit side, because that's where my great-grandfather sat, and he founded the church. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of deal? And, yeah. Uh, um, but I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, a ticker tape of verses started coming across the front of my mind, all of which I'd learned in that church. Uh, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Mm-hmm. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water, joy unspeakable, full of glory, mm-hmm. the glorious liberation of the sons of God. Um, verses like that, and I didn't know what that meant. Uh, we never talked about words of knowledge and things like that in the Presbyterian church. I, so I just remembered it. And I look yeah. back now, 52 years later, and realized that Jesus was calling me. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. And all he was asking, he, he wasn't making a commentary about the, the people or the church there. He was just simply asking me personally, Baxter, are you content that what you are experiencing right now is the freedom that I promised? Is the life that I promised is the joy, um, basic things. And I must have said no, because I look back and see that from that point forward, my life was about questions and finding answers. And, uh, my mother disagrees with this story. She says, I was born this way. (laughs) And she reminded me, she said, I was there the day you were born. Mm -hmm. She said, you came out of the womb asking questions Yeah, to sit on the front porch swing and it squeaked. And I knew as long as it was squeaking, you were you were thinking and, and, and swinging, but as soon as it stopped, you either gone to sleep or you're in trouble. Yeah. So, I, I uh, but at the same time, uh, and, you, and let me just paint this picture. This is a small church, uh, probably 60 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my aunt Polly played the organ and the men of the church would stay outside, like, you know, at, between a quarter to 11 and, and 10, 59. Uh, 59. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, in those days, they all smoked and they'd smoke a cigarette and they were having their last cigarette before they come into worship. And I could hear them from inside the church. I could hear my dad 
And uh, my best friend's dad, uh, Lewis Williams, we call everybody called him Tut, but he had the most distinctive laugh. Yeah. And you could not not hear it and laugh. You know, I could hear them telling jokes and having their last cigarette. And then Aunt Polly would, would hit a certain note on the organ and hit a certain volume so they could hear it outside. And so they all marched in. And I remember sitting there watching my dad and Tut Williams laughing in the foyer and stepping across the threshold and, and they were transformed into men that I didn't recognize. Mm -hmm. uh, they were all at my house on Saturday for a crawfish bowl. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday morning, and some of them coached me in little league baseball. It's, it's like, what, what happened to us? We just ceased to be human. And we'd come in and, and I remember one day, my dad, my dad he was, uh, we were having communion and he was sitting, I was sitting right next to him and, and he had that little cup and he was just like this, you know, <laughs> I said, dad, I said, dad, what are you doing? He said, I'm getting in earnest, son. I said, <laughs> I said, well, who's earnest? You know, <laughs> it was just mystifying to me that, that we all had to become something that we, I mean, mm -hmm. not only were we boring, but we became something that we were not. And yeah. uh, that was part of that mix for me was what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Something dreadfully wrong because it just is a, an outright confession that it's okay to be, it's not okay to be human in God's presence. Mm. We got to morph into some sort of holy. So what is holy then? If it's not human, it doesn't have a human. So all of it was crammed into those moments for me that took me years and decades to, to wrestle and think out and finally begin to understand the Trinity uh, and, and the beauty of that relationship and its goodness. And how the only reason we were created is so that we could share in that and be so filled with it uh, that we too become exactly um, not like them, but we share in their divine life that's come to us in Jesus. And it looks human. Yeah. That was the breakthrough uh, yeah. for me. Mm -hmm. uh, it took a long time to get there, but that's, that's, um, <laughs> that's the short, the short version of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And for me, when I encountered, I was a drug addict. I wanted nothing to do with God. I grew up in a Christian church. I was a hedonist, a pleasure seeker in a lot of ways. And, um, I encountered the love of Jesus in a very supernatural way in my room. And I cried out to God in a desperate place. And, um, I guess my heart, my, I was transformed um, in, in, in a big way where I just, now my heart craved righteousness and I hated wickedness and I wanted to love God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when I would read scriptures like that, I would realize how inadequate I was to actually do that. And, you know, this guy's praying this many hours a day, this person read books by, you know, all the revivalists and all the people of old that prayed this much and evangelized this much. And I got to be that. And I got to do this. If, I'm going to, you know, work my way into greater spirituality or whatever. And then I go to Bible school and they're teaching the same thing and I'm oh, striving my brain out, you know, I'm striving my brain out, trying to make God happy with me. And if I was reading the Bible enough and I was evangelizing at Walmart and I was doing all those things, then I felt like God was really happy with me and his presence was so near, just tangible. He was so gracious, so merciful with me. His presence was always so tangible. But when I was striving, I would feel like God was light years away. And, um, and then I came to a point of just struggling and striving and, and stumbling and I, and I just leaned on Jesus and he began to lavish love, his pleasure. I had a revelation of his smile. I began to experience him. Not just, I thought God was just at church. I thought he was at the conferences. I thought he was in the prayer room, 
but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't involved in my relationships as much. He wasn't, you know, I didn't want to do hobbies. I just wanted to read the Bible all day. You know what I mean? I didn't want to play and go out with my friends. I wanted to, you know, write a, you know, write, write a book right there about my devotion to the Lord. And so I got your book, The Great Dance in My Hands at the right time while I was going through that transformation, as well as Brother Lawrence's book, The Practice of the Presence, Athanasius on the Incarnation. I began to realize, wow, the incarnation isn't just a story told around Christmas. This is everything. This is everything. And so it's amazing. It's not a, it's incarnation. It's not a one-off that God, Mm -hmm. it's not plan B. It's plan A from the very beginning. Oh Um, yeah. Oh yeah. The, the, um, I've been teaching through John's gospel. I do this. Um, I guess you'd call it a podcast. It's a, it's on Patreon mm-hmm. first, Tuesday, first Tuesday of the month. So we're working through John and we we came, we're in chapter 10 now, but, uh, when we were in chapter five, uh, there's a scene, Jesus heals a man who's been sick for 38 years. He heals him on the Sabbath intentionally. He's, st- he's stirring the pot mm-hmm. and the Pharisees come after Jesus because he's broken the Sabbath, you know, oh, yeah. and his, and his defense is my father's at work till now and I'm working. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he's tapping into a Jewish argument at that point. But uh, anyway, then he says, but the father delights slash love. It's not, uh, it's not agape in that verse. It's phileo. He, he mm-hmm. delights in the son, mm-hmm. not a son, the son, and the son can do nothing unless it's something that he sees his father doing. Mm-hmm. And the father shows him all things that he himself is doing. And, and I, just reading through that story in context of the conflict that was emerging um, between Jesus and the religion, mm-hmm. the striving, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, all the stuff that they were doing, they had it all worked out. And in that one scene, it just hit me what a microphone drop that was in history. Oh yeah. Here is the Jewish tradition with all of its religion. And now the Pharisees have taken over and all the rules and all the regulations and all the sense of separation. And we got to do, we got to climb. We got And Jesus just says, guys, I'm only doing what I see my father do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Microphone draw. Yeah. What the heck have you created over here? It has nothing to do with us. Yeah. And I yeah. am here now to share life with you so you can participate with me in what my father's doing. Mm -hmm. So let all this go. This is an illusion. It may be grand a la um, United States of America with our six flags over Jesus, but does it have anything to do with what I am doing? That's the whole Christianity right there. The father, son, the anointed one has come. He's here. He's in us. He's asking us, do you want to share in my life or do you want to keep inventing your own? Because my life, the way we do things, it does not make sense to you. You're going to have to change. You're going to change the way you look at everything. Just follow me. I know where the green pasture is. I know where life is. I know where goodness is. I know where perfection is. Baxter, you don't even know how to define those things. At some point, you're going to realize you don't know how to define them. You're going to cry out to me. And fortunately, when you were telling your story and I was thinking about mine, I thought, well, here's two two pictures of Western Christianity. And blessedly, both have run aground in all of their self-efforts and all of their grandiosity. We both run aground, and we called out, and lo and behold, boom. It's not like he was distant. Nope. He's here. He's in us. Mm-hmm. He's been here the whole time. He's waiting on us to give up. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And there's so many. Listen, I, I tell, you, tell you a quick story. Um, sure. Um, my 
my grandson Cooper, who's now four, this is when he was about, he wasn't even three at the time. And we were over at, uh, at our house when we were cooking out and something was wrong with the grill. And, um, and I had a, a screwdriver and a pair of pliers and I was working on it. And uh, his dad, Kyle was holding the flashlight for me. Cooper just comes barreling up, right? He's not even three. He's close to three and comes barreling up and he looks in, in there like, yeah. And he looks at me, he says, I fix it. And he grabbed the screwdriver <laughs> and he, he kind of pulled it with considerable force. And I finally just let him go. And he stuck it up in there. And, you know, and I was thinking, <laughs> the minute it happened, I thought, boy, you are looking at yourself, Baxter. Yeah. I fix it. That's what I've done with my life. Tried to fix it. I've tried to save myself. I've tried to define salvation in such a way that I could achieve it. But I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> so finally just said, Jesus, you are God. You are savior. You are shepherd. You are everything. I'm, I'm just going to walk with you. And I don't want to see anything the way that I see them anymore. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to try to fix anything. Mm -hmm. I, I, I had a, a, a discussion with a pastor that I knew was getting in trouble. Um, was having trouble with the church. And this one guy came over, he was very aggressive. And he was a friend of mine, but he came to my house. He said, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. And he said, he said, I, I'm just, I'm just, um, I'm very disappointed in you because you haven't stepped in and tried to help your friend. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, he's just having trouble and you need to stand in there with him. Mm -hmm. And I looked at my friend and I said, and you need to be quiet because this never crossed your mind that you may be interfering in what the Holy Spirit's doing. You're going to go save your friend from the Holy Spirit's work. I think not. I think I'm just, why don't you join me and let's sit still and ask Jesus what he's doing in this situation? Cause I don't see it the way you see it. I see it as the Holy Spirit saving my friend with a salvation that I don't even know how to define and a freedom that I long for is coming. So he's like, I say, yeah, when we, when we kind of get a hold of the fact that maybe our religion is actually damning people. <laughs> rather than helping them see and encounter and meet and know the living Jesus Christ in his anointing in the Holy spirit as the father's eternal son incarnate. Maybe we just need to sit down and shut up for a while, <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe, maybe that's what we need to do because we don't know that we're Pharisees. <laughs> that's what the Western church is. It's Pharisees. <laughs> it's external. We've invented a religion. We're defending it. We've got a hark and by God, we're up there. We made it. <laughs> we're at the top. We got the robes. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like the dude, it's like the dude that is strutting to his first class seat only to realize he's on the wrong plane. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The Western church has really? not yet realized it's on the wrong plane. Mm -hmm. And when it does, it's okay. Lights are going to go on and wow. And I think we're seeing the beginning of that now. I believe we are. Absolutely. Um, I love when you talk about in your book, the great dance, the river of life that flows through all creation being the relationship, our relationship with the father, son and spirit. And just to kind of, you know, your story mingling with mine. But I remember when I was reading your book, God was speaking to me in ways he never has before. There was a uh, dodgeball tournament taking place at our uh, Bible school. And I thought, oh, all the non, you know, spiritual people are in there. You know, I'm going to go to the house of prayer. And so 
That's exactly what I did. I went to the house of prayer and there was nobody in there. And I thought, wow, look at me, you know, look at these poor sinners, you know, just like the parable, like Jesus said, you know, the Pharisee comes in, look at me, I tithe, I do this, I do that. But look at these poor sinners. You know, I would never confess that that was what I was saying, but internally I'm thinking like, I'm, I'm, I'm the most spiritual one here, I guess. And I'm, I'm praying and I'm, I'm trying to connect with the Lord and I'm feeling like dry and I'm feeling like God's light years away, even though he's not, he's Emmanuel, God with us, but he was drawing me into, um, a revelation that he was, he was wanting to, he was wanting to bring me into. And then I said, you know, let me check on the, on the dodgeball tournament. So I, I went over there real pious. I went over there and I looked in, I looked in. And I opened the door and just a rush of God's presence just came over me. And he said, son, I am in the laughter. I am in the joy. I am in the play. I am in the camaraderie. I am in the brotherhood. I'm in what is taking place here. Do you want to join me? And I walked in and I remember just such a strong sense of God's presence. And I just was communing with him while I was there in the fun and the laughter. And, you know, that happened to me several times. And he was just renewing my mind. God was just breaking the religious boxes and he was, you know, the whole sacred and secular thing and the separating yeah. that he was just destroying it. But you, you talk about this over and over in your book, this relationship with the father, son, and spirit, the, uh, the river that flows through life and no separation. I'd love to get into that. Well, this is the importance of the Trinity again. If we start with John, John one, one, in the beginning, one it was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Mm-hmm. The, the preposition with there, translated with in almost all English Bibles, is pros, P-R-O-S. Mm-hmm. It, and that word can be translated simply as to. It can be translated as with, but it carries a deeper meaning, which means to be turned towards, face to face. But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was turned toward, face to face with the Father. He repeats it twice in two verses. Mm-hmm. And then the whole of the gospel of John is helping us understand what that face-to-face relationship is like. Mm-hmm. And he's going to bring us to, you get to chapter 10 and then chapter 14 and chapters. He's going to bring us to see that this relationship is so good and so close and so beautiful and so unclouded with self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so other centered. The father's not on a big throne and the son on a smaller throne scurrying around trying to make sure his father, this is a face-to-face equal relationship, and it's so beautiful and so good and so right and so full and so unclouded. The only way we can talk about this is that actually they're not only face-to-face, that they are dwelling in one another mm-hmm. and actually dwelling in one another so deeply and so rightly and beautifully that, that the only way we can talk about this is to say that they're indivisibly one mm-hmm. or to say with Jesus, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so then we, we, in chapter one of John's gospel, he's going to bring in the Holy Spirit. And John, I think more so even than Paul, is going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and so the question is begged right there. Okay, is this relationship between the Father and Jesus um, something that just started 2,000 years ago at Christmas in the Virgin Mary's womb? Mm-hmm. Or is this a revelation? to us of who God is and what God is like from all eternity. Mm. So these are simple questions, but how you answer these questions determine everything, including how you understand what God wants from you. So I answer this question with, I think, the New Testament and with 
uh, certainly the early church leading up to Nicaea and afterwards, that this relationship, Jesus did not just win the divine lottery and God, the single person deity, just went like, mm-hmm. oh, Jesus, you got it. I'm going to be super close with you. Mm-hmm. This is this is a revelation to us of what God is like from all eternity. The deepest truth of God's being is this mm-hmm. relationship. And that's what he wants from us. And he did not design us. This is this is a, a revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, it was for me when I finally realized, Baxter, God never made you to be perfect. He never made you to be good. He never made you to be righteous. He made you to share in their goodness. Yes. He made you yes. to share in their righteousness. He's the perfecting one. Let him perfect you. Mm-hmm. You don't even know how to define it. Let him do it. Mm-hmm. And so then you begin to see right there. Why does the son of God become what we are? Irenaeus, who was a disciple of Polycarp, a disciple of John, 180 wrote, our blessed Lord Jesus Christ who in his transcendent love became what we are to bring us to be what he is in himself. Mm. So you can call that heaven. You can call that eternal life. But what is Jesus but the anointed one and the one who is face to face in this oneness? And everything that he is, he gives to us because he gives himself to us. And he's determined to walk with us until we eliminate everything in us um, that is alien and foreign to that life shared by the Father, Son, Spirit, until the whole cosmos is a living sacrament of the goodness and the love and the righteousness and the holiness and the purity of the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's what they're after. And they've pulled it off in Jesus' life, death, resurrection, ascension, and now the Holy Spirit has come to educate the human race. And what are we doing? We're creating a a pseudo-religion over here and calling it the kingdom of God, and it's no different than an American board meeting at any business. We sit down, we figure out what we want to go do, and we figure out how to raise money. We go do it. We call that the kingdom of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you, the king, uh, man, Australia, probably 20 years ago now, maybe 25, I don't know, long, a good while ago. After I'd spoken, I'm sitting there, uh, standing there having a, a cup of tea and just talking to people. And this, this young lady comes up to me. She's holding a baby and she's just squalling her eyes out. I mean, like, I'm like, man, somebody must have just died. I, I couldn't figure out. I said, just finally got her calmed down. I said, I said, would you please just what's going on? Mm-hmm. And she said, Baxter, Baxter, she said, I come from a place in Australia. I don't remember where it was. And she said, in our community, there are two, I don't know, Pentecostal, charismatic, Holy Ghost believing churches. Mm-hmm. And she said, and we have both been praying and fasting for over a year for the Holy Ghost to fall. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Ghost fell on the other church and didn't fall on ours. And we are totally devastated. And the pastor wanted me to ask you what you think about this. And I looked at her. I said, is that your baby? And she said, well, yeah. I said, do you love this, this child? She said, sure, I do. I said, you'd give your life for this child, would you not? She said, yeah. I said, matter of fact, you do. You give up almost all day long taking care of this child in one way or another. And you probably got other kids at home. She said, I've got two or three, I mean, two kids at home. And. And I said, let, let me put this in perspective. Mm-hmm. In 10,000 years from this moment, when that, that town that you're from no longer even exists, in 10,000 years, this child is still going to be calling you mom 
because this child has its origin in the life of the Father, Son, and Spirit. You got to participate in its creation. And once it's created in Jesus, it will never disappear. That's right. And you're looking over this supernatural Holy Ghost inspired being, wondering why the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen in a way that somebody defined somewhere over here. It looks like this and this, and you can't see. You will never meet a human being that is not in Christ. You don't get to be part of this creation apart from Jesus Christ. You come into being in him. He's, he's trying to enlighten you so that you can know who you are. Mm-hmm. I said, we're going to be dumbfounded. And Lewis says this at the end of the way to glory. Uh, he says that we, when we see a human being glorified, which means fully alive in Jesus, yeah. then we're going to be tempted to worship them. Um, because so, so I thought, how blind can we be that we've defined the Holy Ghost fallen to be this? Yeah, mm-hmm. and cannot see the absolute staggering miracle of a human baby's existence who will never mm-hmm. ever disappear after the whole creation has been transfigured. Mm-hmm. This child is still going to be here and still going to be calling you mom. Oh yeah, I mean, come on. So she's like, oh man. I said, yeah. This is Jesus's world. This world was not created by the evil one. And Jesus is is trying to pick off a few people for glory. The whole thing came into being in him. And apart from him, not one thing has come into being without exception. And now he's taken ownership for it and says, Father, they are so blind. They run from the light. They hate the light. They don't want anything to do with me. I'm going in, Dad. And Papa says, I got your back, son, like always. And the Holy Spirit's like, there's no way you're leaving me out of this. And so you see the whole movement of incarnation is to go down on the cross where we, not the Father, it's not the Father's wrath being poured out on Jesus Christ. The Father's not abandoning his son. This circle doesn't do abandon. What happened on the cross is that Jesus is submitting himself to the violence the rage, the apostasy, the treachery of the human race. And we damned him and we cursed him and we held up the word of God and sent him back home, crucified and naked and beaten to a a pulp. And Papa says, okay, okay. You listening creation? I am accepting you damning my son. And I am embracing you as the dammer of my son and affirming you as my child in Jesus. And I'm transfiguring your treachery into, into the mercy seat where you are embraced wow. as the worst of all sinners in everlasting mercy, because this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I am your father and I am Jesus, his father. We've embraced you and the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to transfigure your unbelief and your apostasy and your covenant breaking. I'm going to transfigure that into the temple where I dwell with all of my creative joy and power. Your vote, Baxter, your contribution was to damn Jesus. Now you can sit down and rest for a while until you come to know who you really are. Then you're free to move about the universe because you'll be participating in me. Now, that's where the whole thing is going from the very beginning. The Apostle Paul is crystal clear. Second Timothy 1 9, the gift of grace granted to us in Christ Jesus from before the creation of the world. Yes. Predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, chose us to be holy and blameless, perfect before the foundation of the world. 
And we have turned Jesus into plan B that would never have happened if Adam hadn't done his thing and blessed Jesus' heart. He's no bigger than we can make him. Mm-hmm. You know, come on, we got to work up a faith. We got to bring the kingdom down. We got to do all. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> one revelation of the glory of Jesus Christ in a daisy is more powerful than a thousand American sermons. Oh, yeah. Jesus. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. We are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's waking us up. You know, he fills all in all the scriptures say. He holds everything together by the very power of his word. And even the Apostle Paul said, I pray for wisdom and revelation to enlighten our hearts that we may know the exceeding great power. We may know his inheritance in us. We may know something that is already a reality, but the but we need to be awakened to it. it. Yeah, we don't know it. We don't, like you said, you have to know the truth and the truth sets you free. So I love, I love how you shared that story because he's in everything. I love how brother Lawrence would get drunk in the Holy spirit while he was washing dishes. Or I just love just like the little things communing with God, the things that seem not as spiritual, not as significant before God's eyes to a lot of people, but he's in it with us. And we have that communion with him that is unceasing. It's never broken. It is continual. We share in that relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And we're not becoming something that we're not. We are awakening to the reality of who we've always been to God. And um, a quote from your book, you say, Our great problem as human beings is not that we've been left out of the circle. Our great problem is that we have no idea of who we are and what we have become in Jesus Christ. (laughs) I love that. Paul says it's, it's, it's clear as anything that God in his mercy made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him mm-hmm. and seated us with him in the heavenly places mm-hmm. in order that in ages to come, we're, we're going to be who we are. Yeah. And what does Jesus say in John 15? He says, abide in my love. For apart from me, you cannot do anything. Pharisees, put it down and come let me love you. And let me teach you who my father is. And I will lift your face. I will personally lift your face from your shame and guilt and religion. And you will see God, the father through my eyes. And then you're going to be full of an unearthly assurance. Now go play golf in it or go help a poor man or poor woman in it, or go do something by participating in what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's no, it's not any more complicated than that. We don't have to go. uh, If you drew a mile, circle around your own home. You've got a lifetime of work to do in Jesus right there from raking leaves to somebody to yeah. maybe in there at three o'clock in the morning to, uh, reaching in your back mm-hmm. pocket and saying, I don't know. Um, I mean, just the other day, this, this is so beautiful for me that I went up to a grocery store when I, and I was just in my own world going in to get groceries and come back, cook supper. And, and I opened the car door and I heard this most beautiful violin music. I thought, what in the world? I mean, there's no sound system. I mean, it's just a parking lot. Mm-hmm. And I looked over, and there's a guy standing on the corner playing violin. And I just swear, I just what? So I walked over there, and it said, he said, you know, I don't have a job. I've got three kids at home. I'm trying to make ends meet or something like that. Can you help? And Jesus says, into your wallet. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. And I said, but Jesus, it's $120 in my wallet. He said, no, it's $121. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm like, I'm like, yes, sir, yes, yes, yes. I don't care anything about whether he knows. He, I didn't talk to him. I just walked out. I didn't want to interrupt him. Gave him some money. And Jesus may say that to you, mm-hmm. or you may be on the receiving. I have been on the receiving end of that. I have been on. That's the way we do it. 
People yeah. ask me, you tithe? I said, yeah, I tithe. I give every day as much as I can to Jesus to do with it, whatever he wants to do. <laughs> That's lots right. of times it's been the time with grandchildren. Lots of times it's, it's being on the phone with somebody whose life has fallen apart, sitting in my office with uh, a man who's, you know, uh, whose wife has died or it's just, we're in this together and he's here. He's not absent. That's his lesson in John's gospel. Like when he's getting ready to feed the 5,000 men, probably 20,000 people, he looks over and says, Philip, what are we going to do? I don't know. We a whole year's worth of wages wouldn't buy enough food. Andrew's like, well, there's a little boy here. He's got a couple of loaves of fish. I mean, a couple of barley loaves and fish. And, and, and Jesus is saying, guys, guys, lesson one in the real kingdom. I am here. Do not assess a situation in your life. Do not size up a single moment in your life as if I am not present with you in you and I am not good. So sit down, assess it, say, okay, Jesus, it looks this way to me. What are you doing? Because when you're present and active, there's a three dimensional kingdom chess thing going on here. Oh, yeah. I want to participate in that. I want to be part of that. Um, and and it, then it's, there's no, it, it's just beautiful. Maybe flying a kite. Um, it may be fixing a lady's gutter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just style. It may be getting up and going to work. Guy in Toronto told me one time, I asked him what he did. And he said, well, I drive a truck. And, and you know, American hierarchy, truck drivers are not up there at the same level as doctors and lawyers or whatever. I mean, they're in the middle. And he, he kind of looked down, I drive a truck. And I said, what, what do you haul? He said, well, I drive from, I don't think it was Toronto. It's one of the cities outside. And he says, twice a week, I drive to Miami, Florida and pick up a load of flowers and bring them back. I said, my goodness. I said, do you have, have you ever thought about how many people that, that blesses? How many funerals does it help liven a little bit? How about uh, engagements and weddings? And parties. Oh yeah. And uh, and I watched him. He, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All I do is all I do is haul flowers for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but our whole culture treats him as if he's not quite, you know, on the same level as uh, he's not a multimillionaire football star. He's you know a truck driver. And he looks at me and he said this. He said, "Name me one thing in your house, Baxter. One thing in your entire house that was not delivered on the truck." Very true. But I said, Absolutely. I will never treat a truck driver as if he is not in Jesus again in my life. <laughs> and in our country, you know, when you see a, a person uh, in uniform, you, you typically, at least in some places, you would say, thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. I think that's proper. We should be doing it for every single person who gets up every morning, and goes to work. Thank you for your service. Meet the garbage man out there. Thank you for your service. I can't imagine what my life would be like if no one collected the garbage. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about simple, simple things. This is where we're beginning to see Jesus, who is the light of the world, not the light of the Christians, mm-hmm. the light of the world. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing has come into being that has come into being. Mm-hmm. Everything is breathing, breathing Christological air. As we begin to see this Jesus, which is the biblical Jesus, we begin to see this Jesus and his father's life in, in, in the joy of the Holy Spirit on the baseball field. Mm-hmm. We begin to see this even at hospitals 
we begin to see, then we can relate to it. Yeah. And see a person who's hurting and just simply stop what we're doing and reach out to them. And who knows where that goes in the spirit. It's beautiful. Yeah. I think a lot of it is, um, you know, we're so busy, you know, we're in a hurry a lot, you know, it disrupts the contemplative life. You know, for me, I, I have to purge, you know, here and there, you know, there's just, you know, my phone's, you know, going a lot going on there. You know, I'm, I'm married. I've got two kids. I've got a lot of responsibilities. I work, I do, you know, different you know things that are just ministry. I, you know, and you know, I just need the, my, my heart. I want it always attuned to Jesus and I want to bring him into, he isn't everything. He's in absolutely everything. I want to acknowledge his presence in every area of my life. We need to just smell the roses. We need to just set our attention and affection on that, which is, you know, like, God, you're here with me right now. Just even like when you were, you were talking about that, that situation with a pastor friend that was struggling and another guy came in and said, you got to be doing something. It's like, let's just get God's heart on this. You know, let's, 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 let's get God's heart and mind on this. And let's not just assume our agenda in this situation, you know, and, and yo, with, with that, with that homeless man playing the violin, you were walking, you heard it, but you took a moment to just be like, you know, you were, you were sensitive. There were, there was an, there's enough, you know, um, oh man, the, the stillness of heart, the, the connection with God on a, on a daily basis. And, you know, and you said another quote from your book, which I'd like to end with is you say, you cannot hear the music of the great dance. When you cannot hear the music of the great dance, you set out to write your own music. And I feel like Christians are doing this, but people are doing this all over the world. You know, there's so many unsatisfied people. There's so many people striving and trying, and they're trying to create something of significance, and they're trying to be involved in something big and something that God could put their stamp of approval on. But at the end of the day, you know, um, God's drawing our hearts in. Well, I don't have a copy of my book, the Patmos, in front of me, but I, uh, I give it a shameless plug in this sense. Sure. It's a, it's a novel. It's a story. It's about a burned out suicidal theologian who's been involved in four denominations, been to therapy, studied the early church, and it never delivered. Mm-hmm. He's even been involved in the charismatic movement. Mm-hmm. And he's walking out his front door. Uh, he's headed out the front door to get the newspaper and the whole world disappears and he ends up in total darkness. And he eventually sees what he thinks is the light. He doesn't know where he is, what's happened to him. He, maybe he's in hell. He doesn't, he may be dead, but he sees a little bit of light and he walks towards it. Meets an old man. Turns out that the pastor, I mean, the theologian has time traveled and he's landed on the Isle of Patmos and he spends three days and three nights with the apostle John. Mm-hmm. And the apostle John is going to lead. Aiden is the main character is going to lead him to to encounter Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit inside of his own soul, the last place he'd ever thought to look because he knows he's a mess. And he meets him. And then after that encounter, John is helping him understand how to just you know, work this out and live this out. And he says, he says, Aiden, what do you do when you do not see what is? And by what is, he means the presence, not absence. Mm-hmm presence of the father son and spirit and the cloud of witnesses Mm -hmm. what do you do when you do not see jesus everywhere Mm -hmm. says you create something that you can see yeah and you defend it with a vengeance because you think it's all you have Mm -hmm. so the apostle paul prays in ephesians 1 i pray that 
the God of all glory would give you the spirit of revelation, not the spirit of creation, the spirit of revelation, and that he would, as I say, put Windex over the eyes of your heart so that you can see what he is. Mm -hmm. And when you see what he is, it takes your breath away. That's right. It blows your mind. It astonishes your heart. It gives you peace. And now you can say, Jesus, all I want to do is share in this. I just, what do you want me to do? I don't care what. Oh, break leaves. Okay. Break leaves. As long as I am aware that I'm doing it with Jesus, it doesn't matter what we do. Mm -hmm. It's a divine event, a divine human event. That's right. Um, Oh, you want me to hold my granddaughter? That's a hard one. (laughs) Um, You know, that's what we're doing. We're participating um, in in the present. Now, um, I sometimes liken it this way. This helps me because I spent most of my life. Uh, playing checkers. And I I don't mean the board game. I mean, trying to get myself crowned, Mm -hmm. trying to get myself acknowledged or recognized or honored. Mm -hmm. And every now and then along the journey, I have seen right in the midst of my checkerboard and my self-centered checker moves. I've seen the Holy spirit do something. That's a three-dimensional Trinitarian chess move with my checker moves. And when you see that, presence not absence you see that you just stop and think oops i i don't want to ever do anything for your glory jesus i want to participate in your present glory help me mm-hmm. i don't want to be the man running around with a big bible in my hand quoting bible verses trying to bring in a kingdom that's already here I want to participate in what you're doing. And I, I'm giving you all that I know how to give you Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, and I want you to take it all and transfigure me. I don't know how to do that, mm-hmm. but I, I want to participate. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the Patmos story, John repeats several times. He says, Aiden, the assumption of separation is the great darkness. It it may be like a mother spider with a thousand babies on its back, but there's only one mother spider. And that is the assumption that you are separated from Jesus and his father and the Holy spirit. When you make that assumption, whether macroly on a macro level, like the United States or, or globally or individually or denominate, when you assume that people are separated, that you are, you're now functioning in delusion. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to create a way back, and then you're going to try to get people to join you. And then you're going to spend 30, 40, 50 years playing a religious pose that is as empty as a hologram. Mm-hmm. The assumption of separation is the great darkness, and encountering the present Christ in union with us is the light. That's right. <laughs> He's the light that enlightens all men. So Coming beautiful. into the world. Coming into the world. <laughs> so good. So good. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I wish I could talk to you for another two or three hours about all this. This is a this is a basic uh, introduction to a lot of these um, truths here, just to wet the whistle and get people really thirsty to find out more. And so they should get a copy of The Great Dance, Patmos. You also have a um, a series you're doing, I believe, an introduction into the Trinitarian life. Tell people, how, you know, maybe some other resources you have if we, we pique some hunger here um, and how they can connect a bit more to the resources. Well, our, our website is uh, perichoresis.org. Y'all can put a, 
put that mm-hmm. up, but yep. I mean, it's like 400 hours or something. I've been doing this a long time, but, mm-hmm. but I've, I've got a class that we started last Wednesday. We're going to do it uh, for 11 weeks. Uh, uh, I, I, these lectures I gave in Mississauga, Ontario uh, in, in 2017, it's called introducing the Trinitarian faith. So it's kind of like everything that I have come to know, I wanted to put together in, in 10 lectures. And so people watch the lectures and we get online together. Um, for two hour conversation and you get a syllabus and things like that. And, and there's lots of other materials that come with um, that class. If you want to go deep, you don't have to do anything, you know, except, except be a part of whatever level you want. But right now uh, we started last Wednesday and we've got a hundred and I don't know, I think 50 people, but I, w- I was dumbfounded, not so much by, um, by the width of it. Cause I've done this class twice in Australia, once in India, twice in the UK and Europe. And this is the first time we've done it for the America's time zone. So it's six 30 central mm-hmm. on Wednesday night. Um, and I, I just texted, um, my, uh, my chief executive officer to say, make sure that, uh, cause I think they closed registration when we started the class that you got to reopen this because yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> there's too many people I'm getting texts. People, people are, are anyway, yeah, uh, quite yeah. astounding. It, it's my very best work. Um, it's beautifully done, beautifully filmed, and the discussions have been just amazing. I mean, just amazing. Mm-hmm. How many people are right here with us in terms of processing and thinking? Mm-hmm. I mean, millions and millions of people all over the world. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I Tell love me. that. I Go will put Holy the Spirit. <laughs> I will put the link in the uh, comment section below so everyone can click on that and get a hold of it. But um, thank you so much for joining me. It sincerely was an honor to speak to you today. I'd love to have you on again. Well, I will do that. <laughs> I love that. That'd be Sounds good. good. Thank Bless you, guys. You. Yeah, you too. You too. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Awaken Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review the podcast so we can get it out to more people so they can be blessed and awakened by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you guys so much. And I'll speak to you next time on Awaken Podcast. <laughs>guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, Just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter his presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours. 
you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in his glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.org, lifepouredoutintl.org, or you can go to destinyimage.com. The audiobook is available as well on amazon.com, as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com. And so bless you guys. Grab a copy of Immersed in His Glory. Thank you.